Welcome to the Little Red Village podcast, produced by Little Red Fashion. CEO Jonathan Joseph and head historian Rachel Elspeth Gross are about to take you on a journey through the ins and outs of fashion, tugging at the threads of how it all works straight from the people who make it happen. Let's join them for today's episode. What is the most perfect thing I can do? That's the question that haunted Katerina Bozianova until she created Intpushiv, which means industry, a brand that produces tailored suits which meet the standards of Saville Row. When we recorded this interview in May, and I mean literally the moment that we met face-to-face through video chat to record, air raid sirens were going off in the distance. Katerina says she's used to it now, as are her small children. Her husband wasn't allowed to leave the country, and her family made the decision to stay in Ukraine together. The day we recorded this interview, Katerina told us, there were rumors that her neighborhood would be bombed heavily the next day. That's what she's dealing with as she strives to keep her business, which employs about 75 people, alive. Katerina didn't always want to work in fashion, and even now, she'll tell you that she feels more like an interpreter than a designer. Her father is well-known, considered to be one of the godfathers of Ukrainian fashion, and from childhood she resisted the idea of following in his footsteps. Her career started in marketing, she worked with some pretty big brands, and learned about what it took to make a business thrive. Intpushiv, her brand, does not make collections. They are a bespoke tailoring house, which means that they only make made-to-measure tailored apparel specifically to fit the needs of their clients. Katerina created an incredibly sustainable model that produces almost no waste, and last year their success allowed them to start to expand into the women's wear market. Katerina, who must be scared, anxious, worried, she presents none of that. She told us confidently that she is where she needs to be, which is home, Ukraine, with her family and doing the work that means the most to her. I have zero doubt that she will pass on to her children the heritage of precision that she has worked so hard to build and to maintain. Hi, everyone. We are back. We have another incredible designer with us today from the Ukraine. This is Katerina from Inposhev, and she makes some of the most beautiful bespoke men's tailoring that I've had the pleasure to look at in quite a long time. Katerina, thank you so much for making the time to speak with us this morning. We really, really appreciate it. How are you doing? Are things are things okay? Well, actually, it's okay. But the okay is new. (laughs) It's a new okay for all of us now. Yes, we are okay. We are getting used to everything that is happening around us. Yeah, we are okay. It's sad, so tragic that the new normal has to be this. And I hope so dearly that it is over soon. Yeah, yeah. We also hope that as well. But actually, judging from my point of view, from inside, it's, it's tragic, of course, but... The main thing is to keep going on. And it's really unbelievable, but this motto that everyone has been told in us from all of these sources, all of these coaches, etc., that you need to keep going on. It works. It works. And really, <laughs> it works. <laughs> I'm thrilled, thrilled to hear that. Do you have a facility where you produce your clothing in Kyiv? Are you manufacturing yeah, yeah. that? 
Yeah, now actually our brand is 13 years old and we've started from very, very, very small facility with three persons, one of which were Cutter and Taylor and all of the production actually. And he was the main guy who was responsible for tailoring suits, all of the things we, we've been tailored 13 years from now. And right now, yes, we are based in Kiev. Our production is based in Kiev. We are 70. Not all of us are there on the ground currently because some of us have left uh, Ukraine. Some of our workers have left Ukraine. Some of them are in Western Ukraine and they're not in Kiev where we are based. But we are still working. We've continued our operations. We've recontinued, I would say, our operations two weeks from now. And yeah, we're working. That's wonderful. I know work can be a wonderful distraction and it can be a great place for anxiety or stress. So we always like to ask people, and this is a fun question. Do you have a memory from childhood, the first time that you really loved a piece of clothing or the first time you understood how much you needed to be in the world of... Well, actually, I need to be very sincere in that I'm not an actual designer. I'm an organizer and uh, chief architecture, I would say, of my business. Because in my heart, in my soul, I'm an entrepreneur, but not a designer. But I have my father, who is a, a designer of women's clothes in Ukraine. And he started when Ukraine just was born, reborn, I would say. So, you know, for me, this memory from a childhood you're asking for, this was when I was going to school and I was having my breakfast and I had my father just around me who was cutting a piece of dress and it was in the kitchen. And I just realized I'm like eight years or nine years old. I don't remember right now, but I realized that is this really a business? Is this really something that you can work on? And I know my father, he used to be an English teacher, actually, when he was at Soviet Union. But when the Soviet Union was broke, he, he realized that he is a designer. He was 20, actually. And he started to work that way. And I saw him doing something in the kitchen. I mean, he was cutting something and tailoring something in the kitchen. And for me, this was my, I guess this was my first touch with the design uh, and this whole thing. And actually, this touch was like, oh my God, I will never, never uh, do it in my life. Uh, but <laughs> but uh, after I don't know how many years I'm here and the thing I'm doing is not a design, but when we're talking about bespoke, it's about architecture. For me, it's about the culture of it and the essence of it and the point of it. And the discotheque about it is the business. For me, business is a discotheque, is uh, something I'm dancing with. For me, it's very, um, I don't know how to say it. It's, It's very from my heart, but I'm not a designer. I'm not inventing suits. I have my perfect cutters and tailors who do it. But for me, design lies in the essence of business and uh, the essence of the workflow. 
We've spoken with all types of people who work in fashion. It's one of the things that we hope to do is show that there are so many ways to have a mm -hmm. career in an mm -hmm. industry that means something to so many of us. And I'm sitting here looking at the pictures. This could be Saville Row. I mean, it's, it's gorgeous. It's beautiful. Actually, when I have invented the business 13 years ago, I just put myself a question. What is the perfect essence perfect thing, the, the most perfect thing you can do. And I realized that the most perfect things are done at several row, not in terms of like the one piece perfect, but in terms of uh, brand, it's a perfect, it's a perfect brand and it's a, it's a perfect history of what they can do. And I studied it uh, a lot and I realized that Actually, maybe in current times it's awkward to speak about that. But in Soviet Union, we had a huge culture of individual tailoring. And when I got to think about that and got to think about the several heritage and about our heritage, I understood that they match. And that was the point when I realized, wow, we can do business on that. And then uh, I started. I love that. I think you, what you described is really powerful because you identified this common thread that tied together the heritage of two seemingly disparate cultures when it comes to, again, Savile Row. Exactly. And, and I love that. I think that's really expansive. And your whole story is really expansive. One of the things that Rachel and I are very passionate about with this podcast is making sure that any child or any young person interested in even any facet of this, whether it's building a business, seeing the moving parts come together as a vision, the way you just described, mm -hmm. uh, that's really important to show kids. And I think what I love is that you have triangulated this unique brand positioning based on that love and heritage of precision. And I think it's important because a lot of young people we engage with here at Little Red Fashion often say, I love clothes, but I'm not a designer. I don't draw. I don't sew. Yes. Or yes. Yes. And I think you're a wonderful role model for loving fashion and meeting fashion where you're at for your skill set and passions and then putting a team together around that to create the vision exactly because uh, before that i used to work it's my luck actually but i used to work for gillette and then when gillette was acquired by procter and gamble i used to work for procter and gamble in brand management and I realized it's like in my very heart and soul and blood, the essence of the brand and the essence of what is building a business. And I was really very lucky because when I used to work for Gillette in Ukraine, it was the start of the business. Well, not the, the mere start, but two or three years from the start. And the business was growing like 30% per year. And I realized what it is to make a business in Ukraine and what is to make a brand in Ukraine. For me, uh, I know all my strengths and weaknesses. My weakness is that I'm not a designer. I'm not a creative person. I can't create. Uh, I know my father who is a creative person, so I can compare me to himself. And I realized that 
I can't create out of nothing. He can. We know do the connection. I can see the connection in the business, and I can see how it all merges into one single big idea. And for me, merging into big idea and developing this big idea is the, the mere essence of my business. What you just described is is very much you sound like a systems thinker and how to create a system and have that system feed on a, a central brand story, which I think is really important. It makes me want to ask you what the iterative process is like for you since you're not designing. So when you're going through a collection to mm-hmm. decide maybe to describe for our listeners what your particular iterative of process course. might be like. Of course, but initially we are not into collections, we are into bespoke, so we tailor individually for every man. And we have launched last year the women's brand of bespoke wear, as well as named Heroism. But initially, as being me, as not a designer, but as a like a creator of business, for me, it was important to create something that didn't ask me to create like a masterpiece. But nevertheless, we have come initially, uh, eventually to, to understanding that we need to do something that distinguishes our brand from all the brands, not in Ukraine, because we are not competing in Ukraine. We're competing all over. That distinguishes us from all over the world. And I understood that that is not something that you can think of, oh, oh my God, this will be the pocket or this will be the label or this will be, the, I don't know, the handkerchief. It is something that your essence is built on. And I have realized that our essence is built on that we are tailors and we are tailoring individually. And we know how to tailor for each body type perfectly. And I realized that our collection that we have the, we have presented on the website that it will be the collection that will fit perfectly on each body type because we know a lot of body types and we know a lot of figures, we know a lot of men and we know and we know how to to fit them. So this is our essence, and we are building on that. Amazing. I seems like a great place to put. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think these days where everyone is finally starting to question the systems of fast fashion, your brand is so special because of its emphasis on slow fashion. Tailoring is the original slow fashion. You know, slow fashion is such a buzzword right now. But tailoring is... is You're absolutely right. You know, when when we have started 13 years ago uh, and when this whole thing about consumerism, etc. was started, when I said, okay, we have no leftovers because we are ordering exact piece of clothes for each suit and we have no leftovers. So there is nothing we can do. So we are really eco fashion. We have been, and it's our essence, and it's the it's the essence of the brand. That's so incredible to not only, well, first of all, yes, to be ecologically minded and sustainable, but to be able to do the math and to calculate <laughs> and to understand specifically what you well, need. I mean, wow. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you very much for that. But actually, regarding the math, I'm not, I used to be very well-paid-off person when you used to work for big companies. But mm-hmm. actually, when I left these companies and when I started my own business, I realized they that I can do well-off with 
just a little a little bit of money because my passion was to realize myself in my business and there were many times and just recently i've got uh, to remember it because <laughs> currently we have money problems but nevertheless i realized that there were really many times and many years that a lot of my employees were paid off much more than i did and the same works for current time actually and i realized that uh, me i do not need more because for me doing my business is like perfect realization of what i need and uh, of course i would like to drink champagne but mm -hmm. if i drink prosecco <laughs> it's okay <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I understand oh. this so deeply i think jonathan will as well we find all the time when we have conversations like this with people all over the world that when your work feels like play and when work exactly. is joy i swear to god it makes us all better human beings and mm, so powerful yeah yeah actually you know it's my point in this war we're having right now i know that it's a horrible and tragic thing but I realized that I'm not only optimist when I'm well off, I'm really an optimist <laughs> in all the time. And I realize right now that currently I see a lot of opportunities. Nevertheless, my country, actually, I, I have made a post uh, uh, right now that they say that they will be bombing a lot of cities. And it's awful to realize when you're living in a peaceful world, but in our world, it's uh, okay, we will be going somewhere out of big cities. And I know that I'm trying to see a lot of opportunities right now. And uh, I see them. Not all of the people are left, well, a lot of them are left, but not all, all of them are left. And we have so many perfect professional people who are, who, are, who are staying in Ukraine and they are out of work. And I said, oh my God, we have, we have been striving for them for such a long time. And now they, they're, they're so close and they need work. So it's our time. Can I ask a couple of questions about your sure, workforce? Sure, sure. I know traditionally within the fashion industry, a lot of like the handwork that gets done is, is <laughs> traditionally female. Is it the same in men's tailoring or is it more yeah. of a male workforce? It's the same. I used to think that it's the same for Ukraine and post-Soviet countries, but in this like English world, it's not the same, but it's the same. All of the handwork, it's morally done by female, but... All of the cutting work, the measuring things, dealing with clients and cutting, it's a male world. Mm -hmm. And uh, for me, initially, it was a question because I realized that, oh my God, are we so sexist? So <sighs> just actually hiring male for being cutters. And I actually realized that, yes. We are. And uh, yeah, it's traditionally, it's like males and females work. So females are tailoring, men's are cutting. Probably it will change. And it is changing right now, but it is changing very, very slowly because cutting, it's more of a prerogative and it's more of taking responsibility for a design, for a piece of art that you're creating for 
for a special client and tailoring, it's more of a handwork, but it's a very hard handwork. Of course, it's very hard and it takes a lot of work and especially a lot of patience. And me being in this business for 13 years, I realized that women are more patient actually than men. <laughs> No, no, I'm, I'm sorry. Surprised. I'm sorry to say that, but yes, tailors are mostly women. I understand that it has been recommended by the government that perhaps it would be more safe for women and children to leave. And mm -hmm. I've heard stories from other Ukrainian designers about either their workforce choosing to stay or finding ways to operate in other countries. Mm -hmm. How is that affecting your business? I moved to Western Ukraine and I had an opportunity. My sister is living in Brussels and she has a free apartment where I could move to with my children. But first thing, I didn't want to go away from my husband because he's not allowed to, to leave Ukraine. Mm -hmm. and secondly, I really can't imagine how I can operate my business how I can say to all my people that, guys, we are still working. It's all good when I'm not in Ukraine. Although 15% of my personnel have left, I realized that I merely can't do so. And the most important, I do not want to do so. It's not that I'm giving up. No, 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 I don't want to do so. I moved to Western Ukraine for two months and uh, every day, I was thinking about my bathroom, about my wardrobe, about my living room. I was thinking about that. And when I came back, actually, I was the happiest person, despite the fact that the next day, a uh, few blocks away from me, the, there was a bombing. And my children, two of them, heard that. But I was the happiest person. And I realized that uh, probably is that I'm the person that actually... In exactly in exact place that I need to be. Well, I don't know how to say it, but I am where I need to be. No, that makes a lot of sense. I'm. Yeah. I yeah. have a daughter myself. My, I'm so sorry. You know, it's my power. It's my it's my power. It's my everything. I can't do powerful things when I'm away. I know a lot of persons who can, and I admire right. them. Really, I admire them, but I can't. <laughs> no, I, I can understand how rooting yourself, being mm -hmm. where you belong, being home. And exactly, exactly. It's, I actually, before that, I didn't realize how amazing and how powerful that is. I have a five-year-old daughter and I'm so sorry that your children have to experience what... Well, actually, you know, you know, they have experienced it. My older daughter is six years old and my mm -hmm. younger son, he used to... He was two years old uh, two months ago when we have left in March. And they have all perceived it as an adventure. And for me, that was like, wow, if they are perceiving this whole thing as an adventure, then how can I be so not for putting them into station? Like, oh, we are lost. Oh, oh, this horrible thing is happening. No, of course not. For me, the whole thing that is happening I like bravery, I admire bravery. And uh, when I see them, I realize that, okay, uh, it would be great for them not to experience that. But if they have I... already done that, great, great. They, they will be more brave. 
They sound magical, like magical beings. Thank you. Do you think that you will teach them to sew? Actually, I think that teaching is by experience. And well, <laughs> I had the situation, this all things happened. We had a nanny with us who was sleeping with younger son. I mean, sleeping, uh, he, uh, she was actually being with him in the mm-hmm. room. And uh, when this whole things happened, I realized that we are all going somewhere. I didn't realize where, but we're all going somewhere. And uh, she was with him since his uh, since he was born, and she was with him. Uh, she was with my older daughter uh, since she was one month. So we have been with her for six years. But when she realized that we we are not longer able for paying her this salary that we what used to be for the work, she has left. Actually, that was the most horrible time for me during this war. It's uh, it's it's uh, you know it's. Uh, very very not brave to say that but no uh, no but but when she left i realized that i'm not only with my work that i need to bring on and do something with my 74 people but i have also to my children and i need to work with them as well and she has left at that time i realized that that there is nothing a person can't do really there is nothing and when you're put in the situation, well, you're either struggling and struggling for your before. And that's w- what I'm struggling for. I'm struggling for my before life. Or you are just saying, okay, it's okay for me to, to be like that. No, it's not my po- uh, it's not my case. I'm struggling for my before life. And I know that, okay, my business is very small. It's like 74 people. It's like 200, uh, 2,000 clients in uh, Ukraine. But if everyone feels the same in Ukraine and they're struggling for their life, we will win. Because for me, struggling for my before life is essential. For me, it's really essential. I adore my before life. I loved my before life. I loved drinking champagne. I loved going into parties. I loved going to vacations into the most amazing places I could imagine. I loved it. And I wanted to come back. So actually, that is the thing I'm struggling for. And the thing I'm struggling for my clients and for my personal as well. Because I know that there are some of them who have come from Donetsk region that was bombed actually eight years ago. They had the same situation eight years ago. And I want them to have an amazing life, an amazing amount of money, an an amazing work. I want them to have amazing. So that is what we're struggling for. And actually, no one, no one, no one can say that you know, you have another country, you have Russia is your new homeland. No, of course not. It's not, you know, for me, it's a struggle for essentialism. So we are all struggling for that. Well, I think that, I hope you know that much of the world is on your side. Of course. We we believe firmly Ukraine will be glorious and independent and I know, you know, for me, actually, you know that there is such a notion that mm, uh, you can't say for sure which is good and which is bad. But for me now, I think that, you know, that there is some kind of of a path and you come into a point when you need to say for sure. 
it's no longer a choice of you want or you won't. You need to say for sure which is good and which is bad. And uh, of course, I understand that there is a lot of information, informational war, etc., etc. But in the essence of your heart, you understand what is good and what's bad. And for actually for me, this is a war of essentialism. What is good and what is bad. When you have a freedom, it's good. When you don't have it, it's bad. For me, this is obvious. And right now I'm thinking about this war. Of course, me being in this war, et cetera, et cetera. It's very hard. But I realize that right now the example of Ukraine, it's like an, it's like an example of really that what is good and what is bad for all the world. And it's hard to be in this situation, but actually we don't have any other choice. <laughs> and the second that actually it needed to be done, it needed to be done because the world was so politically, politically, how to say it, interfered. Yeah, Karen, that's this, I asked myself, uh, asked myself a question. You can always ask yourself, there can be two sides. When you're thinking about one problem, there can be two sides. Of course, there can be two sides, but you need to have to stand on one side eventually. And for me, that is the essential point. And uh, right now, I think that's the point for all the world. Yeah, we are definitely at a place. I agree with you. I feel like there's an energy, things are changing. And watching the bravery that I've seen in your country, in your industry, it's, it's so horrible, the things that are happening. And seeing people like you, but seeing people like you insist upon optimism, know mm -hmm. that the best way to get through this is to do the work you love the most. I mean, of course, that touches of course. my heart it's, it's in way. such a real way. It's beautiful. And it is why I know for a fact that you are going to win. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Absolutely. I think one of the most important lessons we try to teach a little bit fashion for young creative kids and their grownups is, is resilience. And there's no better demonstration of resilience through fashion than the work that you're doing, that Jen is doing, that so many of the amazing Ukrainian designers we've been privileged enough to talk to during these crazy, challenging and scary times really is so inspirational, not just for our listeners, but also for myself and for Rachel and for Ryan and for everyone on the team here at Little Red Fashion, because it is at a 10 out of out of five. You know, it's, it's just it's so such a pure expression of the type of creative tenacity that is so important for all kids to learn and develop and see in action. And you doing this work in this way and being so kind as to share that with us and our audience is really powerful. And that we hope that with this series uh, of episodes that you're a part of, we can shed light not only on the powerful spirit of the Ukrainian people, the resilience of the Ukrainian fashion industry, but also just show kids that even in the most dire of circumstances, that creative spark will grow into a raging fire and then sometimes it'll go back down to a small flame and then it'll go back up and but it never goes exactly. out exactly exactly you're absolutely right thank you so much for making the time i, I can't tell you how much we appreciate this thank we you really... thank you very much it, it's a great pleasure to talk with you to meet with you and really it's an amazing time for for us all it will end soon i hope well it's an amazing time. It's an amazing capture of the time 
We'll remember it all. Well, please yes. let us know if there's anything we can do to help. Um, thank you. We want to know you're safe and that you're okay. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you to all of our listeners and followers. I'm Jonathan Joseph with my partner in crime, Rachel Elspeth Gross, and our amazing guest today, Katarina. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Bye-bye. That's a wrap for today. Visit us at littleredfashion.com, where you can find the show notes and transcripts of Little Red Village podcast episodes on the blog. And if you enjoyed it, give us a four-star review on whatever platform you're listening through. We're on a mission to empower the next generation and build a community of supportive fashion lovers, families, educators, and professionals like you to help creative kids thrive. Thanks for joining Jonathan and Rachel today. And remember, fashion is for everyone.